Hello, you're listening to a sermon provided by the First Presbyterian Church of Mayopac. We worship on Sundays at 10 a.m., and you can watch us live either on Facebook or YouTube. And if you're in the area, there's always a seat saved for you. We hope that this message encourages you to continue growing in humility and faith. Thanks for listening. A reading from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 2, verses 41 to 52, which you can also find in your pew Bible or while up on the screen if you would like to as well. So let us listen now to God's holy word and what it says to us this day. Now every year, his parents... Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up as usual for the festival. When the festival was ended and they started to return, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But his parents did not know it. Assuming that he was in the group of travelers, they went a day's journey Then they started to look for him among their relatives and friends, and when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, "'Child!' Why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. Jesus said to them, Why are you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. So last week, friends, we took a a look at what it means for us to proclaim the gospel, to proclaim salvation for humankind. And we take some time, we took some time last week to understand salvation ultimately as this never-ending unfolding narrative this never-ending story of God's grace and how we relate to that grace and how we live it out in our lives imperfectly while striving to live into the perfect love of God. And as we looked at this unfolding story of grace, what better way than for us today to think about how we might respond as we hear in our second principle, providing for the shelter the nurture, and the spiritual fellowship of God's people. We are people called, we are people created to live in community. Even introverts such as myself means that we have to be part of a community and that we must at some level, at a minimum level of interaction, participate in fostering a healthy physical and spiritual community, and a healthy sense of a physical and spiritual life. Is that a task that we are up to face as a church? Is that a task we are up to to face as individuals? Because in many ways, we must realize 
dear friends, that spiritual fellowship, that to provide for the shelter, the nurture, and the spiritual fellowship of God's people is almost as costly as salvation. It's almost as costly if we are to do it well and if we are to do it faithfully. Funny that we should talk about the cost of fellowship as being this thing that is on par with salvation as we find Jesus' family heading back from this celebration in Jerusalem, celebrating the Passover festival. And amid the chaos, amidst the commerce and the camaraderie between family and friends, Mary and Joseph begin the arduous process of trying to herd everyone back together so that they could head back home. Well, everyone except Jesus, the Messiah. Now, I, can't Im- I don't know what it's like to parent a child, but I can imagine that even if you have one child, there is a lot of energy that goes into keeping them safe, keeping them in line, making sure that they are not, you know, Uh, sticking a fork in, you know, some outlet somewhere. Now, that's just raising a a normal human child. Imagine if you were in Mary and Joseph's shoes and what it would be like to parent the child who was the Messiah. Perhaps we should cut Mary and Joseph a break when they discovered that Jesus remained in Jerusalem. Because besides Fun fact, fun Bible trivia, in case you didn't know, Jesus was not an only child. We hear in Mark chapter 6, verse 3, if you want to look it up later, that Jesus had at least four other brothers, perhaps had one or two other sisters who aren't named. So you have a mother and a father and Mary and Joseph who are trying to look after six, seven kids at least. Uh, That's a lot. (laughs) And one of those kids has the power, you know, to turn water into wine. You could almost just picture it now as Mary and Joseph are trying to walk back home. They're trying to make their way, trying to just keep things in line, keep things in order. You can picture Mary asking Joseph if he's seen Jesus, and Joseph's just like, honey, don't, don't worry about it. He's fine. Stop worrying. Now, to Joseph's credit in this imaginary conversation, Jesus was okay. Jesus is not only okay, but he finds a place to go. Did you know where it was where Jesus went to after being left in Jerusalem? Jesus didn't wander the streets aimlessly. He didn't just try to find any old place. He made his way back to the temple, to his church, where perhaps he found people he most likely worshipped with during the festival of Passover. Now, this doesn't keep Mary or Joseph from saying the kind of things that a shocked parent would say. The text says astonished, that they were astonished when they found Jesus. I feel like that's the biblical editor's uh, creative way of filling in the blank of what they really were feeling as a stressed-out parent. But they were astonished. They were panicked after trying to search for Jesus for three days. But even after experiencing all those things, 
the worries, the fears. I imagine she felt a little bit touched when Jesus essentially tells her, what do you mean? Don't you know the temple, the church is also home? And that these people, they're not just some strangers, they are also my family. Now what parent who is trying to get their kids to go to church wouldn't appreciate an answer like that? It's impactful enough that we are told Mary, even after all these traumas, after all this ordeal of stress and panic, cherishes these things in her heart. There's a study that came out last year that talked about the importance of people cherishing, adults cherishing children who are in vulnerable situations. There's a study that came out that talks about the importance of adult support during childhood, especially for children who are developing their sense of resilience, resilience being the ability to transform potential toxic stress into tolerable stress, stress nonetheless so, in children. It noted that for children who experienced or are experiencing adverse childhood experiences, constant access to a trusted adult helped greatly to mitigate the negative impact of these adverse experiences. Now, I bring that up because of this. We are here for such a time as this. We are here positioned to be a part of something that is much larger than ourselves. Not only because we are called to extend this type of love and grace, but because we are here right now. And as we heard before, we are here to treasure all these who come into our midst. Not just here on Sunday morning, but those we encounter on the streets, those children who we might encounter in schools or in other settings. We, friends, are here to be a solution, to be a larger piece of a puzzle that calls us to create an environment where children and adults feel welcomed to come into a community where they trust. Mary, treasuring all these things in her heart, is a call for us to treasure one another. It is a call to treasure this community here that has loved and sheltered. It is a call for us to provide nurture as we hold God's people and ourselves in divine love. And it is a call to welcome. Welcome sincerely, welcome authentically, welcome as our whole selves. As we reflect on this principle in the great ends of the church, the shelter, the nurture, the providing spiritual fellowship for the children of God, why do I mention these things? Why do I mention, why do I talk about how we are called here in our reading to cherish all these things and live them out authentically. It's part of our reflection today because as a church, we are called to love what makes us uncomfortable. 
and uncomfortable with what we love. The study I mentioned before doesn't include the increased risk that children find themselves in depending on their background. For children who come from different ethnic or racial groups, children from poorer families, children who come from broken homes or families, children who identify differently than their peers, who are sad to say the ones who often do not find welcome in church. Friends, we have already reflected a little bit on some of these things, um, if I could find it. We have already reflected on some of these things in a a previous sermon. This might look familiar to you, this chart, in which we know that younger people and older people, older adults, are more susceptible to suicide. Friends, as a church, we know that there is so much we can do to provide for the shelter, the nurture, and the spiritual fellowship of God's people. And there is more that we can do, more ways that we can love That makes us uncomfortable and uncomfortable with the things we think we love. Because this is all a part of the process of cherishing and treasuring what God has given us. It's interesting when we talk about the things that we think we love. Because there are many things that I think we love that aren't really great, not really good. You know, spending a lot of time now going around our presbytery here in Hudson River and spending some time doing consulting work in New Jersey, there's a lot of people in churches who long for the good old days when their churches were full and vibrant. But how many of those churches, how many of those churches, especially the ones that have those big galleries around on the upper level, How many of them have forgotten that those galleries were not there for families with vibrant children laughing? They were not there for them. They were there for people who were less than. Enslaved people, black people who were forced to attend as part of their master's property. The good old days might not be so good. But right now, friends, you and I here have holy work. We have work that we can do right now, here in our own home of our church here in Mayopac and in our community, where we can expand our sense of treasuring God's people. Amen? That was a little weak, friends. Amen? The shelter, the nurture, the spiritual fellowship of the children and God, friends, that is not a simple goal. By no means is that a simple goal. We live our lives in complications, and those complications are because of things that have happened in the past. And it's up to us to try and fix them, to make things right, so that we can live fully as people who treasure one another. It's not as simple as planning a party for a sort of one-time gig, but it is almost as if we are called to build up a stamina where we can host a party, a lifetime of concurrent parties. Providing shelter, nurture, and spiritual fellowship means that we each have a part to play. We each have a role in this most sacred calling. 
which for our church in particular is all the more critical. I say it's critical because I say this as a part-time pastor. I say that I play a role certainly in cultivating a a spirit of welcome and treasuring those who come into the church. I say this as our part-time office administrator, very part-time office admin, Kathy, does her best to create a sense of welcome, a sense of nurture to those who ask about our church. I say it about all those who volunteer on a regular basis who also live out this principle. And it is up to us, whether we serve on a board or a committee or not, whether we work in some way or not here in the church, it is all of us who are called to live this out, called to make this principle of divine spiritual fellowship a reality. It is a collective effort, my friends. And if we want to seriously consider how we will grow into the following year or even the next decade, it begins by looking inside looking inside and asking what role you will play in cultivating fellowship, in cultivating divine fellowship, nurture, and shelter. It begins with all of us asking ourselves that question. Friends, you and I are here for such a time as this. You and I are here right now as the people of God who are challenging the status quo. People who can demonstrate what it means to love our neighbors as ourselves, as people who treasure one another, who hold them close to our hearts. You and I are called, and it is a sacred calling that is a part of our faith, part of our lives together here at the First Presbyterian Church of Mayopac. It does not mean we will become like those who we embrace or treasure, but it does mean that our collective community will begin to more wholly reflect the multifaceted gem that is the heart of God. So let us be a home. Let us be a fellowship that truly welcomes. Welcomes the tired, welcomes the weak, welcomes the weary, the faithful, the strong, the confident, and all the people, all the children of God. Friends, may we take to heart, truly take to heart, these opening words of our mission statement. The church on the hill is a family of faith. May we be a family not just for those gathered here. May we reflect on the ways in which we can expand this family that has blessed us and continues to bless others. Before we end, there's some words from another famous Presbyterian minister that you probably saw a little bit sneak peek in the slides before, but another famous Presbyterian minister who I would like us to remind, who I would like to remind us of the value of treasuring one another. You know, human beings learn best and most from other human beings. That's all part of being human. And we learn best from people who really care about us.
people we really like. It's you I like. It's not the things you wear. It's not the way you do your hair. But it's you I like. The way you are right now. The way down deep inside you. Not the things that hide you. Not your toys. They're just beside you. But it's you I like. Every part of you. Your skin. Your eyes. Your feelings. Whether old or new. I hope that you'll remember. Even when you're feeling blue That it's you I like It's you yourself It's you It's you I like And that's true And you'll find that the people who love you best Are the ones you learn the most from And the more they teach you and the more you learn, the better feeling you have about yourself and the world we live in. Thanks again for listening, and we will hold you in prayer as we head into a new week. If you'd like to learn more about our church and ministry, or if you'd like to learn how you can support us, you can visit our website at mayopacchurch.org. Until next week, God bless.